We are talking about how you turn your light on. Because what good is a light if you can't turn it on? As a matter of fact, if you have a light and it can't come on, you it's actually not a light at all. Because a light is only a light if it can illuminate. And so today I want to talk about for our kids, and our kids' message today is how to turn your light on. Because it's probably one of the most important lessons in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. He says in the book of John that I am the light of the world. How awesome is that? That Jesus is a light. What does that mean? Well, a light is the only thing that can disperse darkness. That means the world has no hope unless the world has Jesus. Because the Bible says that we live in a dark world. And in the very beginning, the Bible says darkness covered the face of the earth. And if you don't know what darkness looks like, darkness looks like 2019, 2020. COVID uprising, racial uprising, bankruptcies uprising. We're facing, we're fixing to face the biggest eviction notice in America's history. People are going to be home. We are in a dark time and in a dark season. If we've never, if we've ever needed a light at any other point in history, we need one now. And Jesus, the Bible says, is the light of the world. So what is the answer for COVID? It's Jesus. What is the answer for finances? It's Jesus. What's the answer for marriage problems? It's Jesus. And kids, you need to learn at this point in your life because the devil is going to try in every day in your future to bring darkness all around. You're about to walk into a school where darkness is going to try to influence you and people are going to try to pull at you to go this way and that way. And you need to know how to use the light that Jesus is. So I need a couple real quick um, uh, volunteers. I'm, as a matter of fact, I need seven of them. So I'm, I need a volunteer picker. Would you hang on? Everybody sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Would you be my volunteer picker this morning? Because I'm going to use several. Yes, sir. You pick, yeah, you pick my volunteers, not my nose, my volunteers. Do you, do you know why you never pick your nose with this finger? Because it's my finger. <laughs> All right. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I need seven volunteers. Come up here, real quick, guys. So we can. I, w- I don't want to just talk about the light. I want you guys to learn some about the light. All right? Seven. Great. I want you to line up from this side to that side. Best looking first. All right. Line up from this side to that side. Best looking first. <laughs> you guys are <laughs> how crazy no i'm playing with you. you guys are all beautiful come this way come this way come this way right there right there right there i want you to go this way there's eight good i need one more you come right up here you're going to be my upfront volunteer you come right here you come right here you come right here hey baby you're going to come right here is that cool now the bible says that jesus is the light of the world And I love that how he said that in John. But that's all good and dandy because we know Jesus is the light. But then in Matthew, Jesus said something totally different himself. And what he said was this. He says, not only am I the light of the world, but the Bible says that you're the light of the world too. Isn't that weird? That Jesus said we can be just like him. That's weird to me. Those are big shoes to fill. You ever had big shoes to fill? My whole life I feel like I've lived in my daddy's shadow. Big shoes to fill. Then I read in the Bible where Jesus says, he's the light of the world. And I can understand that because he's never made a mistake and he's never sinned. And he healed people and raised the dead. But then he said, not only is he the light, but he says, you're the light too. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Do you know how that works? 
No, like that light. Couldn't get it on, huh? All right. I'll tell you what. I want to show you how that works. Is that okay? You ever used a flashlight before? When do you use flashlights? Where have you ever used one before? Yes. Where? Um, at church camp. Church camp. That's a great place to use a flashlight. I used one last week with my girls. We had a friend of ours um, give us a free week in a condo. So we went and stayed in it. And at night, we got up every night and went out to the beach. And you could shine your light on the beach at night. And there would be crabs running everywhere. So we would run and catch crabs. And so we used flashlights. So I got pretty good at running a flashlight. You used yours at church camp, correct? You pretty good at running a flashlight? All right. I want you to, Brother George, will you kill our lights? I want you to show everybody out here. How to use a flashlight. Am I going to have to get a boy up here? <laughs> I play, I play. Turn the light back on, Brother George. Turn the light. What's wrong with it? There's no battery. You are so smart. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. But see, a lot of people try to be lights on their own and they try to do things in the world on their own. They try to make a difference. They try to help people, but they try to do it on their own. And it's kind of like this, it's kind of like a flashlight that has no power in it. She was absolutely right. She said, there's no batteries in that. What did Jesus mean when he said that he's the light of the world? We know that he's the way that we get our sins forgiven. He's the way that we get set free. He's the way that we can walk in life and not have to be controlled by desires and fleshly things. But the thing about it is we understand that's him. But he said then in Matthew 5, he says that you are the light. So how does that work? How do we take Jesus and everything Jesus is and become what he says we are? Well, like you said, it takes power. You'll never be what God's created you to be. You'll never do what God's created you to do. And you'll never be able to accomplish what God put you here to accomplish without there being power on the inside of you. Just like a flashlight, it's a bunch of plastic, it's glass, it's a bulb, it's wires. And that's all it is until you put power on the inside of it. And when you put power on the inside of it, something else happens. Now, show me how to use a flashlight. Give her a big hand clap. These girls are going to prove me wrong before the day's over. They're going to prove that they are smarter than boys, right? <laughs> Good job. See, it just took batteries, took power. What does that mean? That means this, boys and girls. You can go to school this year, and you can try to be the very best student. You can go to school this year, and you can try to be the very best friend. You can go to school and try to be the very best you. But I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be the best you can be without the power of God on the inside of you. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that the way we get the power of God on the inside of us is that we have to hear the gospel. The gospel is this. It says that Jesus died on a cross for you and for your sins. And if you will allow him to take your place and you will ask him to be your Lord. The Bible says if you'll believe that he died and rose again, it says you shall be saved. And the power of the gospel no longer is just in a book. But now it comes on the inside of you and it gives you the power to be something and do things that you never could do without him. You know, the Bible goes into great detail and says this. 
It's not good for a man to be alone. You know why? Because you were never meant to be alone. You were never meant to live a single day without the presence of God involved in your situation, involved in your life, and the power of God on the inside of you. The Bible says that the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you, and when it does, boom, you get to be power. So when the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, when you accept Jesus, it's like putting a battery on the inside of you. And when you put a battery on the inside of you, power begins to come out of you. And in Matthew 5, 14, it says this. Now you are the light of the world. Then it says this. And you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. But I want to teach you guys another scripture about that. And it is Matthew 5, verse 14. Because why do we need to be a light? Don't make no sense, does it? Why did God want us to be a light? I mean, flashlights are cool and all. You know, but why would God do that? I want, to, I want to show you guys that real quick. And I want to get you guys to learn a memory verse with me. Can you do it? Matthew 5, 16. Doesn't just say that you are light. Now it tells us. Can you hold that for me, baby? Are you a bunny? All right. Now it tells us what we're supposed to do with that light. Can you come this way just a little bit? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come right here. All right, so what I'm going to do is you're going to turn around and you're going to prove how smart girls are, okay? You're going to turn right around right here. And when they lift theirs up, you're going to read that for us in this mic as loud as you can, okay? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Now, you know what that last part is? That's what they call the scripture's address. And when I was in children's church, I always just want to teach the kids what that was. Hold that up for me real quick. That's the address. Like, does your house have an address on it? You don't, you don't live nowhere? <laughs> you got an address on your house? Like your house has got a street name and then a number? That's what these numbers right here are. Instead of being a street name, this is a book. Matthew, it's a gospel. Chapter 5. Dot, dot, 16. So when I teach kids scriptures, I like to always add the address in it so that when they get home or as they grow up, they understand how to use that. And it says, it's our Father in heaven, Matthew 5, dot, dot, 16. Can we do it like that? Now, you proved you were smart. Let's find out if everybody out there is smart, all right? So I want you to read it with them again. They're going to read it with you this time. You ready? Here we go. Let your light... Oh, so shine, spoil for men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, dot, dot, 16. All the kids got it, but the adults blew it on the address part. All right, so we're going to do it again for them. You ready? Here we go. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, dot, dot, 16. Now, all the kids give your parents a big hand clap. They're not even going back to school, but they need to learn to read. All right, you hold that just like that. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to real quick, I'm going to give your parents a test, okay? So what I want to do is I'm going to bring you down front, and I'm going to mix you up. And then I'm going to let somebody pick their parent that they think is the very smartest. You're going to come stand right here. You're going to come stand right here. You're going to come stand. Come with me. Come with me. You guys are all being so polite and good. I know you don't act like this at home. My kids don't. You come right here. Come on, come on. Y'all being so great for me. <laughs> I like that. Where were y'all when I was a children's pastor? All right, right there. Come on up here. Right, right there. Brother George, you turn the lights on for me. You're going to come right here. And come with me, baby. You're going to come stand right here. All right, now, who, who's got the smartest parent in the room? Do you got the smartest parent in the room? Where's your mom or dad? Point them out. Oh, you don't want to do it, do you? <laughs> All right, I will let you miss this one. All right, who's the smartest parent in the room? Where is your parents? Right there, your grandma. Do you think she's very smart? Yeah. Yeah. You think she could beat this, do this one? You think she can do it? I think she might can. Come on, Miss Sharon. You're going to get a competition. We're going to check out your parenting skills and your memory verse skills, all right, at the same time. And I'm going to let you compete with whose dad is here. Who's got a dad? Right up here. Chris, come on. Come on up here, Chris. You're going to compete against Chris, all right? So, again, this is the battle of the sexes. Are guys smarter than girls? Again, we know who girls marry. All right, so, Miss Sharon, I'm going to, Chris, you come right up here. Come right up here. George, get us some game playing music, and we're going to time on Miss Sharon. You're going to have to use your negotiation skills, your organizing skills, and your memory verse skills, and get them back in order, okay? And I'm going to time you on your marks. Got to find my stopwatch. Get set. Uh, Got to put it back in order. It's not in order. And, George, when your music starts, I'm ready. Go. Put them back in order. There is a promised land waiting for me. Sometimes there's an ocean <laughs> that lies in between. You're down to 15 seconds. Whoa, she's going to break out in a dance, too. She's talented. 25 seconds. All right, stop. 38 seconds. 38 seconds. That's pretty good uh, for a girl. All right, but uh, make sure she got it right because we can't see. I want all the girls and moms and dad or grandmas to help us out, not dads, just the women. Ready? Go. They did it. She got it right. All right, Miss Sharon, I'm going to give you a cut, uh, a mix them up for Chris. I want you to mix them up for Chris. 
Chris, you got to beat 38 seconds. So I get to start the timer for 38 seconds, not the stopwatch. We'll go down from 38 seconds. Mix them up real good. All right, are we ready, Chris? I'll let you step out and see. I'm going to start it when the music are. Do we got a faster song than that, Brother George? Go! And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly We're counting down. Counting down. We keep it counting down. Oh, Chris is going to shove them. <laughs> Here you go. Ten, nine, eight, you done? Seven, six, five, four, you done? All right, stop right there. Four seconds to spare, let's guys. Let me see if he's right. Are you ready? Go. Boys, boys, boys. We need men. You ready? Go. Flip it up. They don't know it. You got to show it to them. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, he's got four seconds. Can he do it? Go. Three, two, one. <laughs> Let's try it. Let's see. You ready? Chris, you're making us look bad. All right. Ready, boys? Go. Let your soul shine. Y'all going to put me to sleep. Oh, my Lord. Guys. We're going to do it again like we're reading the Bible. All right. Here we go. Go. Let your light so shine. I'm going to close this out real fast. I'm going to teach one lesson on this and then turn over to Pastor Justin. Guys, probably one of the most important scriptures of how to live a successful life is this scripture. It's called let your light shine before men. What God did is just told you what your entire purpose was. The purpose of your life is for God to be able to empower you so that people can see him and find a way out of the darkness they're in. But the problem is a lot of times is we get mixed up and confused about what kind of light God actually gave us. Real quick, I want to talk about lights as fast as I can. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor because kids, if you can understand this scripture, God will use you to change the world. Jesus is the light. And Jesus said when you allow him to come on the inside of you, you get to... Hey, that mini bow game is an awesome game. Do you want it? Or do you want the duck game? The duck game is a very cool game. That's awesome. Give her a big hand clap, guys. Right. But if you don't know how to be the light that God's called you to be, Scripture sometimes can just be Scriptures. So, George, if you do me a favor... Turn the light out for me real quick. What I want to do is I want to talk about what the light is and what the light's not. A lot of times, you can kill these stage lights too for me, Brother George. A lot of times when people ask Jesus into their heart, they understand that now that they're light and that now there's a power on the inside of them. But a lot of times people think when they become this light that they become a flashlight. And although flashlights are cool because flashlights are very useful, they can... 
help you when you're in dark times or in dark situations. And the thing about a flashlight is this. You can use a flashlight when you're in a dangerous or precarious place to find your way through. But see, a lot of people think that God made them a flashlight. But the problem with the flashlight is this. That it only is good for one person. Have you ever tried to share a flashlight with anyone? And the person holding the light gets a better perspective of the people that are with them. Because shadows change and steps are going with it. God never made you a flashlight. Because never, God never expected you to be a light that was just for yourself. As a matter of fact, the scripture says the very purpose of the light is so that your light can shine before men. See, a flashlight, if you live your Christian walk, if you allow the power of God on the inside of you to remain a flashlight, what you'll find yourself doing at times is you'll find yourself in situations where maybe you don't think you need the light and you can just put it away. And there will be people around you that don't even know that there's even a light on the inside. It means you can look like the world at times and not look like the world at others. And as long as you live your Christian walk privately, selfishly, and you do it as a flashlight, then God can't use you the way He wants to use you. God wants to use you, the Bible says, to change the world. He wants to put you on a hill and let you shine so that all of those in dark situations and all of those in different parts of the world can find who God is and how to become a light as well. You know, I was reading about a light this week and there's some interesting facts about light. Does anybody know what color a light is? It's very interesting. What color is light? You know, light is a color. Do you know what color light is scientifically? It's every color. Isn't that amazing? That Every God made every single person in here the exact color they're supposed to be because He wants your light to so shine before men. I love that. You know, when you, when you take a light and you shine it through an object, like a prism, do you know what you see? You see a rainbow. I love that when you allow the light of God to shine through you, it proves that the promises are true. See, you were never made to be a flashlight. And as long as you're a flashlight... You're missing out on all that God has for you. But then there's some people that understand that God didn't make them a flashlight. But they think that God made them. Let me see if I can control this one right. Let me see if I... Some people think that God made them a strobe light. Now, if you got epilepsy, close your eyes. (laughs) Some people think God made them a strobe light. Because what they like to do is they like to allow the power of God to flow through them when they're at church. But when they're with their friends, they can turn it off. Or they like to act like a Christian when they're with mom and dad. But when they're hanging out with brother and sister away, they can turn it off. I want to tell you something. Strobe lights don't do nothing but give people headaches. And if you're in here this morning and you've been living your life for God as a strobe light, on Sunday you dress up like a preacher, on Monday you go to work like a heathen, you, you ain't a flag, you're not the light that God's made you. You are not what God is wanting to use and He can't use strobe lights. Because God gets no glory out of a light that can be turned on and turned off. Now, some people, that when they got saved, they thank God became a colored light. And what a colored light does is lets you see, see things that it's really not. In other words, they try to fake this thing. 
Boys and girls, you don't got to be a fake Christian. You don't got to act like nobody else. Do you know how to be the greatest you in the world? Is be who you are. And you let God be in you and use you. And you may not be like your brother. You may not be like your sister. But you're not called to be anybody else but you. If you want to be the greatest thing that God can use, you be you. And you say, well, Cricket, nobody's like me. Good, because God needed you to be a pure light and not a colored light. And so you be exactly who God made you. And I found this out. Everything that was wrong with me before I put the power of the light on the inside of me became right with me. I'm ADD. I'm ADHD. I'm dyslexic. I know I say that wrong and people make fun of that, but that's the way I say it. And everything that would be wrong. But because of that, and I put the power of God on the inside of me, I allowed Jesus to be my Lord. It empowers me to be different than anyone else. And I get to do things that no one else gets to do. And that's what God allows you to be and do. Now, some people don't think that they're a colored light. Some people think, now this is a, and I, it's, it's um, got a safety mechanism on it. But what it is, is called a UV light. Now, what a UV light is, another word for UV light is black light. And what a UV light is, a light, it's a special light that allows you to see what I want you to see. But it allows me to hide what I don't want you to see. A black light allows me to illuminate things in public, but yet hide things in the dark. Boys and girls, the scripture calls that a hypocrite. That's not the light that God's called you to be. You can't have these things that you think no one knows about because the power of the light knows it all. You can't hide anything from God. And the Bible says that God came and He's the light of the world because what He wants to do is He wants to illuminate every dark place in your life. You say, well, Cricket, I've been struggling with this thing so long, I can't get rid of it, I can't deal with it. If you would let the light shine on that area, what will take place is God will set you free in that area. Do you know nothing good grows in the dark? And anything you keep hidden will grow and take control. But if you allow God... To let the power of Him, of His Son, come into every area of your life. You no longer will be a black light. But you'll be what God's called you to be. I've got one more light. And then I'm going to move on. I've got one more light here. It represents to me what I believe the very best definition of what that scripture says. That scripture says that you're the light of the world. The city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Then it says this. Let your light so shine before men. It says, so that they can see your good works. Meaning, God wants to show you off. God wants people to be able to see how you live for Him. God wants to see how you love other people. God wants people to know that you are a Christian. Because it says this, when you do that, when you do that, there's a light that comes on your life that is like no other light. And it says it becomes a floodlight. And what a floodlight does, a floodlight disperses darkness. Any weapons in your life will be this. When you decide that God can shine through you as bright as He wants to, what happens in your life is glory begins to sit on Him. Do you know how to change your world? Walk into a room with the glory of God on you. Do you know how to change your family? Walk into your home with the glory of God on you. Because it says this, if you'll be willing to live for Him in front of people, That means at school when boys and girls are cussing and talking bad. In school when people are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Or in school when people are acting ways. And you make a decision say, you know what? That's not what the light on the inside of me gave me the power to do. I'm going to do good. The Bible says the glory of God can come on you. 
And when the glory of God comes on you, you will change your world. Amen? Alright, so give Pastor Justin a big hand clap. What up, everybody? Okay, how do you follow that up? Yeah, I mean, like, that's pretty epic, right? How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Cricket's message just then? Come on, let's give it up for him. Let's honor our pastor. That was pretty amazing. All right. I knew I should have done an object lesson. I knew it. I knew it. All right, but uh, newsflash, I'm not going to do an object lesson. I am going to try and give my best advice, though, for, for all... Uh, Really, I mean, it's youth. You know, that's, that's, that's who I want to talk to. And I, I want you guys, that's who I want to, to, to hear me. But also, I mean, anybody going to school, trade school, um, anybody stepping out into a new adventure. And so, where to start? Where to start? How to start? Hmm. I think I'm going to name the title of this little message, Where to Start. I think the best place for any of us to start is right there with that word, start. So many people, they miss out on uh, the blessing, or not really the blessing, blessings that God has for them. And they miss out on what the beautiful people of this world have for them, all because they don't start. They never start. They're too afraid to start. Um, they're too afraid to step out, you know, and get uncomfortable. So this message is where to start. You guys are going into a new school year, right? You're going into a new school year and, uh, you're going to be, you know, you're going to, you're stepping out into something that's going to be filled with new experiences, right? You have no idea what, what to expect this year. Here's something that's really, really cool though for you throughout the entire Bible. God paved the way. God paved the way for everybody. <clears throat> Throughout the Bible, he said, I'm, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to make a way for you. And when we can really truly grasp that, right? We can know that any step that we take in any direction to start a new adventure, we don't have to live in fear because why? God made a way. How cool is that, Right? I can go any direction, I, like any direction that I'm called to or I feel like I'm called to, and I don't have to fear. Guys, I don't have to fear. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to worry about a single thing because God paved the way. Enough said. Mic drop. That's it. I can, I can leave. I can leave and I can walk out these doors and I don't have to live in fear because God made a way. All right. So I want to give you three more points on top of that. I want to give you three more points on how to start this new adventure of your life. I want to make sure that you experience not only what life has to offer, but everything God has to offer your life. Okay? So besides knowing that God has made a way for us, what else could we possibly need to know? Because some of us, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, that's pretty much all I need. That's all I need to know. God made the way. God paved the way. Enough said, but here, here's a couple of, a couple of points for you. Number one, all right, if you got, everybody's got phones, you may not have a notebook and paper, but if you got phones and this is for anybody that might be, might be needing a new, uh, how to start. Okay. But for my youth, you're about to start a new school year, take out your phones. All right. 
Get your notes. Get your notepad out. Write this down. Number one, praying boldly. When starting any new adventure, we have to remember to pray. You see, the world's going to challenge you. Actually, the world's not going to challenge you. The world's going to challenge anything that God's brought before you. All right, so even though God might have paved the way, the world is on that road sometimes. And so the world likes to get in, in the way and distract you. So I want you to learn how to pray boldly. Um, I want you to take a lesson from Joshua, my homie Joshua in the Bible. All right, Joshua's in the middle of a battle. He's fighting, right? And he literally prays for the sun to be still. The sun. The big orange thing in the sky. Yeah? He, he literally prays. Make the sun stay where it's at. It can't set. Some of y'all don't believe me. I can see your face. One second. Joshua 10, 12 through 13. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord. On the day when the Lord handed over the Amorites to the sons of Israel. And Joshua said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of, I don't know that word. All right. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation of Israel took vengeance upon their enemies. What? See, we've been praying that, you know, um, that, that old prayer, you know, when, you, when you're little... You learn this prayer, you know, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Amen. You know, maybe y'all didn't do that one. Maybe y'all, maybe y'all did that one. Uh, what, 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 what's the other one? I mean, there's all, all, all kinds of them. God's good. God's great. Thank you. You know, yeah. This dude's praying for the sun to be still. All right, so I want you, when you go out into this new adventure, I want you to understand that you too can pray boldly. You can pray as boldly as Joshua. So when you have something going on in your life, you don't have to just let it happen. You can actually pray for the sun to be still. Whatever sun that might be in your life, okay, youth? Whatever sun that is, it could be a breakup. It could be, it could be a bad grade. It could be mom and dad mad at me because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and and everything. And look, you know what? You can pray bold for God to step into that situation, stop the sun from, from moving so you can actually be corrected or you can actually, you know, move forward and, and take steps in this new adventure. Okay. So number one, let's pray boldly. Number two, uh, this is my favorite one because this is the, this is the one that I have learned to love so much and so many people struggle with. But if I could give you advice on starting this new adventure of your life, it is going to be this. Find joy in every circumstance. Every single circumstance. Throughout sickness, throughout um, hurt, throughout heartache, throughout everything. Find joy. Okay? It's been the hardest one. It took me 30 years to figure out that I can be happy in everything. If I could give this piece of advice to, 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 to you youth, and you can learn it while you're still youth, to find joy in everything, you will conquer the world. I promise. So let me, let me look at that because I want to show you, uh, I want to show you biblically where it says that. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever you fall into various trials. Wherever. Which means you guys are going to go through some stuff. Okay. And when you can figure out that joy is in that stuff, whether how ugly it looks or anything like that, 
Parents, you guys remember high school? Remember some of them ugly breakups? Some of them, uh, some of them ugly fights with you, with you know somebody might be your best friend now. Anybody got one of those stories? I, like I'm, I'm, friend, I'm, I'm actually friends with the guy that used to beat me up. Yeah, I, I learned how to be joy. I learned how to look for joy. So guys, look for joy in every circumstance. I know it's hard. I, I couldn't see it when I was getting beat up. I couldn't see that. But guess what? When I took a step back and I saw, and I can look at this and go, and biblically it tells me, consider it nothing but joy when you go through these trials. It doesn't say if you go through trials either, just so you know. It just says when you go through these trials, consider it joy. Number three. Oh, wait, wait. I got to say something on that too. I made a post the other day about, uh, about, about perspective. Making perspective shift. There's two boys I know. Uh, it's a story of two boys. And they went camping. And um, they had the same supplies. The same, um, all, all the same, everything. This isn't the story of, of, of a rich kid, poor kid. It, they, all, they both had name brand stuff. They both had everything that they needed to go camping. Right? And one boy... You know, he looked at his food, his mom packed. Both of them, like I said, same food, everything. Maybe it's SpaghettiOs. I like SpaghettiOs. All right. So Kansas SpaghettiOs. And, and, and boy number one, he looks in his bag and he sees these Kansas SpaghettiOs. And he goes, man, I got to eat this. I can't believe I got to eat this stuff. The other boy opens up his bag and he says, man, I can't believe I get to eat this stuff, man. I can't believe it. I can't believe I get to eat this. Same food. And you, if you want to find something negative, when you open up your bag, you'll find it. It could be the stuff meant to protect you, meant to make you stronger, meant to give you strength. But if you open up that bag and you're looking for something to be, to, to complain about, you're going to find it. I, I challenge you to be boy number two. Or girl number two. And when you open your bag, you're so thankful. You find joy. Even when it's... Anybody here not like SpaghettiOs? Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be some parents that do because they ate a lot of them when they were younger. But none of the kids raised their hand. Now, if it was something like uh, some spinach, y'all, be, y'all would be like, oh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hey, find joy. Find joy in whatever, whatever, whatever bag... Whatever's in your bag, okay? Number three. This is my favorite one. Because I... This is my favorite one. When you go to school, you know, on on that first day, and you hear other people talking about other people or anything like that, or you see just... You see badness. You see somebody... Maybe you don't agree with it. I want you to say a prayer. I want you to ask God to show you how he sees people. Number three is see everybody the way Jesus sees everybody. When you can stop what you're doing in the middle of your complaints, in the middle of anything, in the middle of a storm, and you can ask Jesus to show you how this person, how he sees this person and how he loves this person, it if you don't get hit with some serious conviction 
if you don't get hit with some serious, like, like a serious reality check, you know, something, something's wrong. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Cause anytime that I've been upset at somebody, I've, I've learned how to ask Jesus, show me how, how you see them. And I am no longer upset with them. <laughs> I, I, I can't be, you know, I got to see them how Jesus sees them. So that's, that's number three. So I want to challenge you before we get out of here uh, or before I'm over. I want to close, close with this stuff. I want to challenge you every day that you wake up to remind yourself of these three things. Number one, pray boldly. Number two, always look for the joy in things. Number three, see everyone the way that Jesus sees them. And I want you to remember these two things when you get off course, when you get off course. All right? Because God might have paved the way, but we like to step off the beaten path, right? Nobody likes to own that. But we do. God paved the way. He's got the way knocked out for you. But we like to step off of it. So when you get off course, I want you to remember these two things. God made the way for you. And two, you were created in his image. No matter the accomplishments, achievements, degrees, the level of success that you've hit, anything that you've, any good that you've experienced in life, I want you to know this, God still has more for you. He is in abundance. He didn't say, I just want to give you a little bit. He said, I want to abundantly bless you. Just to tie this all up, I'm going to read a scripture. He made you great. It's up to every single person in here to go out and prove it. All right. Job. I'm going to close real quick with parents what you need to do this year. Kids, you need to shine. Teenagers, you need to pray bold. You need to find joy. And Pastor Justin, I got mixed up on the third one just because I was getting ready for my was the third one. See Jesus the way people the way Jesus sees them. All right. I was going through my notes here. Parents, this is what you got to do. School starts tomorrow. This works whether you're a parent, grandparent, husband, wife. This works. I want to read this scripture to you real quick. In Job chapter 1, it says this, And now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said from Satan, Where do you come? So Satan answered and said to the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you con- considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God, and shuns evil. This is an amazing guy. Says, so Satan answered the Lord and says, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? I'm fixing it. I want to speak to every parent, every grandparent, every husband, every wife, everyone that has a loved one. God has provided a way for you to keep the people in your family, in your life safe. Now, the Bible in this scripture right here says is fact. The devil goes around the world to and fro looking around. The Bible says this. It says he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a hunter. And he rises every day to steal, kill and destroy. But I'm here to tell you, parents, we're about to put our kids into probably the greatest mission field on the planet. Also, in times past, it's proven to be one of the greatest war zones on the earth. Students are hurt, students are bullied, students are attacked, students are... that The enemies that work in our schools, 
as much as God is trying to help people in our schools. And you need to know this. The devil hadn't changed. But I'm here to tell you this. If you're a child of God, you don't have to worry like the world worries. Here in this scripture, the Bible says that Job had a hedge of protection around him. And that hedge of protection was around his. The devil could not touch him. I remember last year, I dropped my girls off for school. I left, went to work. Middle of the day, I got the emergency text to come across my phone that said they just locked down Foley Elementary School because they believed there to be a shooter in the vicinity. The cops had chased the suspect. He jumped out of his car a couple blocks from the school, and they couldn't locate him, so they had to lock the school down. I was working with someone who had a kid in the same school I had one in, and instantly she went into meltdown mode. I'm here to tell you, Fear could not even sit on me because before they got out of my car that morning, I made sure that there was a hedge of protection around them going into that school. You say, well, what does that mean, Cricket? If you read here in the book of Job, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Job had a hedge of protection that the enemy could not come in. Now, if you read on down, and for the sake of time, I won't take it, but 13 says this, and there was a day... When his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came, from, came to Job and said, oh, I'm sorry, let me go back. It says, it says um, you have made a hedge around him and his household. And all around he, that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands and the possessions of, of the increase of his land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Bible says this, that Job would get up every day. And it says, during party season, it said feast season, it said his kids, I call that school season, <laughs> during school year, it says that Job would get up every day and he built an altar. And every day on that altar, he would sacrifice a lamb. It said this, for each one of his children... Because it said this, and I love when you find things like this in the Bible. It says, in case. Everybody say, in case. It said, not but not but. It said, because in case that one would fall into sin is what it said. Every day when I drop off my kids going into this year, every day my wife, when she leaves my house, every day when my family members go their direction, I make sure that they don't go unprotected. I send them into the world every day with a hedge of protection, not because I'm afraid of what the devil will do, but I do it just in case the devil has something up his sleeve today. I don't know he's planning to do and try to harm, hurt, bother, or offend someone that I love and care about. Every day I get up and I put a hedge of protection over you and yours. Every day because just in case... The devil hadn't changed. Just in case the devil chooses to get up and be a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just in case. Because I know this. If I just leave for granted, if I just leave for faith that my kids are to be okay, I have no faith when I get the news that the devil has tried to do something in my life. The Bible says this, he got up every day. And I want to read this progression because I want you to see how important this is. In Job chapter 13, 
It said every day, or chapter 1, verse 30, it said every day he got up and he built an altar and he sacrificed lamb for his children. And then it said this, there came a day. That in case came about. Now, I pray over my kids' school. I pray over the schools here in El Dorado. I pray over the schools in Camden. I pray over the schools in Palm Bluff that God put a hedge of protection around them, that no harm can come on their grounds, that the enemy can't have any way to hurt, bother, harm, offend our children. They keep them. I do that every day, but just in case the enemy does, the Bible says that we're to make a sacrifice for each one of our children because there came a day. Check this out. I want you to see this. It says there came a day that the just in case needed to be done. Because it says, and now there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their brother, older brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding them beside them. When the Sabrians, I'm sorry about that, raided them and took them away. And indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you this. Verse 16 says, and while he was still speaking, another came and said, a fire from God fell from the heaven and burned up all the sheep and all the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. It says, and while I was still speaking, another one came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. And yes, killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. And then verse 18 is where it gets real to me. It says, and when he was still speaking, another one came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking. And it says, and their older brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young and they were all dead. I alone escaped to tell you. I want to point this out to you. The devil doesn't have a right to come in and touch a single member of your family. The devil does not have a right to touch your kids. The devil does not have a right to touch your possessions. But the thing about it is this. On this day, Job lost the ability to come before the Lord and lay a sacrifice. Look how the progression of it took place. The devil first came and took away his oxen. But he still couldn't touch his kids. The devil came next and took away his sheep. But he still couldn't touch his kids. The devil came next and took away his camels. And when he had nothing to lay on an altar as a sacrifice before the Lord, then the devil came and he took the children. I'm here to tell you, the devil will do everything he can do in your life to try to take your sacrifice that you have before the Lord. You say, Cricket, what is a sacrifice? Every day we have the blood of the lamb available for us. You say, Cricket, you're getting weird on me now. I'm here to tell you, there's nothing more powerful on this planet than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus still heals. The blood of Jesus still saves. The blood of Jesus still forgives. The blood of Jesus still covers. The blood of Jesus still protects. And the thing about it is, in the Old Testament, they had to take the blood of a lamb, and they had to take a plant, a branch. It was called a hyssop. And they would take it and they would dip it in the blood of a lamb and they would sprinkle it. It was shown when they came, when the death angel came into Egypt, that the Lord told them to take the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorposts, on the sides and above their doorposts at their house. And the death angel could not stop. It had to pass over every house that was covered in the blood of the lamb. Now, if you go into the New Testament and find out, is the blood of the lamb at work? Still, it is. It's not a lamb anymore. It is the lamb. It is Jesus's blood. What is a hyssop? A hyssop is your faith. 
every single day as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a grandparent, we have to rise up and make the decision that my children or my family are worth me building an altar before the Lord and me laying on it the blood of the Lamb and me applying it over every part of my family, my ministry, my job, and my possessions. Because anything that's not covered in the blood of the Lamb has pray for the enemy to come against and take and try to kill, steal, and destroy. You say, what does that mean, Cricket? I never let my kids get out of the car without me saying, I apply the blood of Jesus over you today. I cover you from your head to your toe. You are anointed. You are saved. You are well. You are healed. You will know evil befall you or plague come near your dwelling. I use my faith to apply the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross to defeat the work of the devil, the Bible says. And I never get up. Now, I'm here to tell you, do you know what the devil comes at me with every day? He comes at me with every day an excuse, a reason, a scheduling problem to take away the time at the beginning of my day for me to apply the blood of Jesus over my family. I'll get up in the morning. My phone will start ringing. I'll get up in the morning and I'll start getting texts. I'll get up in the morning and I'm already late. I hit snooze too many times. I'll get up in the morning and I am fighting because the devil is sending storms. He's sending fire from hell. He's sending everything in people's lives to try to get me off of the altar to apply the blood of Jesus over my family. I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be there one day and just forget to go before the Lord and apply protection over who my kids are and who you are in the churches. Uh, because I know this. Job said, just in case something were to happen. I don't believe that the devil can get through. And the Bible says that he can't. When there's a hedge of protection, the enemy can't come through. But it's when your protection or your hedge or your sacrifice, are you applying the blood of Jesus over your families, is taken. You'll find the hardest thing in your life to fight for will be the first 15 minutes of your day. Do you know why? Because that's the first 15 minutes of your day that you have the authority and the power to apply the blood of Jesus over your life, your day, your family. And it will turn back what the enemy has planned to do in your future. That's why the first 15 minutes of our day is so hard. But if you allow the devil to take that, then you can find yourself on a day when you're getting the bad news from the left, the bad news from the right. But I'm here to tell you this. If you will fight as a father, you'll fight as a wife, and you'll fight. Because I have no, i got to be honest with you. I'm not the best looking guy on the planet. I just shocked everybody in here. But um, every day I send my wife, my wife goes into work in the work field. There was better looking guys and a lot smoother dressers. And and we'd love to use any of those to destroy my marriage. But I don't have to live in fear. Because I get up every day and I apply the blood of Jesus over my marriage. And there's a hedge of protection. And I don't have to worry about the devil being able to send somebody in. Because just in case he does, I'm going to get before the Lord and lay my sacrifice and say, I apply over my family. I don't worry about my cars breaking down. I blew a motor in my Lincoln a few months ago. And I didn't have to worry about it because I knew that my God supplies all my needs according to it. As soon as the motor blew, I had somebody calling me saying, come get this new truck. And so as soon as, because I apply the blood of Jesus over the doorposts in our lives, I don't have to worry. Why? Because the Bible said there in Job, he can't get to you. He can't touch you, yours, or your possessions. The problem is, the truth is, a lot of times we don't understand the power of us getting before the Lord and building an altar and applying the blood of Jesus 
over those we love, we care for, so we leave it to chance. Sad story about Job. But can I read you the end of the book? This is the end of the book. Thank you. Job 42. This is what it says. Oh, Job, there's my scripture I was trying to find. Well, go, Job, when I put on the wrong place, it says this. It says, so it was when the days of feasting had run its course, Job would send, this is verse 8, and sanctify them, and he would rise up early in the morning and burnt offering according to the number of his children, just in case, it says. Just in case. Job 42 says this. Now, therefore, take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams. When the enemy was able to take Job's altar and sacrifice, Job's life fell apart and his life became a living hell. But then, in Job 42, it says that his friend came to him and his friend gave him some bulls and some rams. And the Lord told his friend, go give these bulls and rams to Job and let him make a burnt offering. And look what happened when Job got his sacrifice back. It says, go, my servant Job, and offer up yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For all, for I will accept him. At least I deal with you accordingly to your folly, because you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant has. It says, so Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Biliad, the Shittite, and Zophar, the Namiite. Don't you get just get frustrated with all the ites? Right? went and did as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord had accepted Job, and the Lord restored Job's losses. When he prayed for his friends and offered a sacrifice, indeed, the Lord gave Job back twice, twice everything that he lost. I'm here to tell you, you find somebody that don't know how to get up before the Lord in the morning and build an altar and make a sacrifice and apply the blood of Jesus, you find people's lives falling apart. But the good thing is, if you've been one of those, the good news is you can start back anytime you want to. Because God gave his son Jesus as the lamb and his blood is still available to you. And you can take that blood and it will cleanse you of your sins. And it will put a hedge of protection around those that you love and care for. And the devil does not have the right to come in and take. But if he tries, the Bible says when the thief is caught. You're not the one that has to suffer anymore. He has to repay sevenfold. Can I share a testimony with y'all real quick? This is not in my notes, but this is life changing. This is life changing. If you've been around me for the last few weeks, you know this to be true. Six years ago, I woke up on one of those days just in case. I was in this office. I was meeting what we called a, a Easter decompression meeting. We just had the biggest Easter we'd ever had. Had right at 600 people in our building. It was an amazing Sunday. I came in and I was, it was on a Tuesday. I was coming in for the meeting. And then we were to leave and head to Dallas to go to Gateway for a conference. My wife went across the street to get something to eat. In that meeting, I got a phone call that my wife had tied herself to a rock and tried to throw herself in the river bridge. In one minute, in one minute, one minute, my world crashed. My world wife completely went suicidal. Through the course of a week, 
while we were getting her the help she needed, my mother-in-law come in and took the authority or took a legal possession of my children. I was accused of abuse and abusing my kids and abusing my wife. That's why she tried to kill herself. And so they took my kids. They took my house. They took everything in one day. And I got to be honest with you, for the next two months, I read through the book of Job every single day because I sure was feeling sorry for myself. I was hurting in every way, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. It was unbelievable. And one day, every, there's like within a week's time, it was a storm. It was fire from, and it felt like, like he said, fire from hell or God coming down and burning. It's like, God, why are you allowing all this to happen? Why? And the truth be told was, I had gotten so busy doing the work of God that I forgot to make sure every day I got up and built a sacrifice before Him and apply the blood of Jesus. We were doing church work, but it was one of those days. And I'm here to tell you this. God was faithful during that season. I did learn to pray again like I should. I did learn to sacrifice again like I should. And I decided I'm never getting up again without applying the blood of Jesus over every doorpost of my life again because I need a hedge because I know how quickly the devil can come in. I can tell you this. My wife is seven times more of an amazing wife than the enemy who ever tried to steal my kid. But I want to tell you this. That was on July 18th, six years ago. Just this year did it all start making sense to me. Pastor Maurice has sat with me the other day. Vez sat with me the other day. I've shown people, I showed Justin this the other day. Every year, the battle was over on July 18th. It started on Easter and it lasted till July 18th. Hell, if you were here, it was hell. Every year since then, on July 18th, the devil's been having to pay me back sevenfold. For what he took this year i just going to be honest this year on july 18th and it sneaks up on me but the blessings of god get so big that it kind of just shocks you again and knocks you back this year on july 16th jennifer sent me a text and sent me a picture of a check in four phone calls she made fourteen thousand dollars in four phone calls i got a text that on uh, july uh, 17th that said, hey, we've been miscalculating a job that you've been seeing and overdoing. We're going to send you $6,000. Boom. Both of them hit my account on July 18th. The check deposited and the direct deposit went. Instantly, boom, went into my account. That's financially. I can't go into all the detail. i got to be honest with you, I had a $22,000 a day in a long time, really. It's not been a tw- I don't. I don't have $22,000 a day every day. I can tell you this. I said, Jim, Go back and pull every bank statement for the last six years for July 18th. I need to see the pattern here. Because what is because what happened was we didn't even see there was a pattern until on July 18th, all of a sudden popped up on our Facebook. I said popped up a Facebook memory on Facebook. It says, one year ago today, you seen those? And it showed a $725,000 closing that we just did. That Jennifer just, God just, boom. So that's $13,000. And so we pulled all of our... We went back to July 18th for the last six years and pulled them. And I'm here to tell you this. 
every single year on July 18th, I've gotten richer. I'm just going to say it like that. My net worth has grown. Business and opportunity shifted and changed. Got to be honest with you. This July 18th, I can't divulge all of it because it's not my business. It's her business to tell. Promotion came that was unbelievable when she walked into her office that day. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling this? Because, see, the only reason why the enemy lets just-in-case days happen is because his desire is to have to make the devil pay you back from that point on. Anniversaries are huge to the Lord. Huge to the Lord. Do you know that's why they celebrate? That's why God told them to celebrate every year when the children of Israel came to the River Jordan. That's why he told them. I know, but this is going to change somebody. Like, You've got to get this. When the children of Israel came to the Jordan, he took God told Abraham, and do you know they found this? They just found this the other day. Archaeologically, they found this, and it was shocking where they found it. But they, God told Joshua to build an altar when they came to the Jordan. He told them to come back every year, rebuild the altar, because life has a way of stealing your time before the Lord, before your day even starts. i got to be honest with you. That's the hardest thing you'll fight for is your first 15 minutes. But God told Joshua to come back every year and rebuild the altar. It says, and tell your children. God's huge on anniversaries. Do you know they found Joshua's altar just about two months ago in the Holy? And you know where it was built? Or you know when they came into the promised land? And when they, he, Joshua told the people, they, they walked out the covenant thing. And they had the, all the priests stand on two mountains. And the people marched between it. And it's all, if you don't know your Bible history, it gets crazy. But they, on one mountain, they all cried out the blessings if you walk with the Lord but then he put priests on the other side that would have to yell out the cursing so these two mountains one is called the blessing mountain one of them is called the cursing mountain do you know where they found his altar it was built on the cursing mountain do you know why because everything the devil tries to do to you if you will make sure there's an altar built right in the middle of it you don't let the devil stop your time before the Lord what was meant from the devil to be a curse becomes a place of blessing for you every year that's why I tell you this anniversaries are huge to the Lord that's why Easter it's, it's a compounding thing Easter the devil thought he had beat Jesus on Good Friday on, on Saturday Sunday Jesus rose again and since then, the devil's been having to pay back souls every year on Easter Sunday. More people come to the Lord that service than they do any other service of the year. Why? It's not by chance. It's because God wants everything you've been through to have to make the devil pay you back for the rest of your life. It's called settlements. Now, I'm about to put something to the test. I'm moving into seven years. The Bible says he has to pay sevenfold. I don't know if that means seven years, but I'm here to tell you this. I know I'll stand before you next year, right after July 18th. I'm going to tell you how God blessed me. But I'm ready to see if this, I believe, I don't believe it's a seven-year thing. I believe it's a lifelong thing. That means this. If you will go back to every battle that you've ever fought, even if you failed in the middle of your cancer, when you come through this thing, you're going to get, every year at your anniversary, you need to celebrate. I love Jerry and Leah. They celebrate every year when God delivered her and saved her from cancer. She's a cancer, not survivor. She's a cancer miracle. She had cancer and she's healed. They celebrate every year. You need to celebrate your victories because when you do, God makes the devil pay back and keep paying back 
and keep paying back. That's why he allows you to go through what you went through. I'm here to tell you this. I got the greatest marriage on the planet. But it was because the devil tried to come against it. But during that season, I'm here to tell you this. I've learned to build a hedge. I will never fight that battle again because I will never find myself too busy, too involved, too doing work of the ministry, not to get up and build that altar before my Lord and put the blood of Jesus over my wife, put the blood of Jesus over my children, put the blood of Jesus over this church, put the blood of Jesus over you. Here to tell you this, parents, grandparents, husbands, wives, do not go into this school year. We live in too crazy of a time, too crazy of a time. To not have the blood of Jesus over our children. So you get up. And before they get out of that car. My kids think I'm crazy. But they've done learned that it's going to happen in the car. When they get out. Apply the blood of Jesus over you. Over everything you do today. Apply it over your mind. Apply it over your book. I apply the blood of Jesus over something. Try to figure something out every day. I'm going to apply over her pom-poms Wednesday when she goes to school. Because she's on the cheerleading team this year. Because she's going to walk with a hedge of protection. And if a crazy, ignorant gunman walks into that school this year, I'm here to tell you, if God has to stop a bullet in thin air, that hedge, it won't get through it. It won't get through it. You say, Cricket, how can you be? I can be that confident in what the Word of God says. I'm here to tell you, too, you can be, too. So you get up and do your part just in case. And you watch God keep His Word because it has never failed. Amen? And I want you to go back. I want you to go back and in every battle that you have fought in your past, try to pin a date on it when it's over and you go back and see, has God not overly abundantly blessed? Because a lot of times we just look this stuff over, but it's so important that you don't because this is what happens. Do you know how do you continue to keep that year and that date going? You give God glory for it. That's why they're to celebrate Passover. That's why they're to celebrate Ram Kippur. That's why got big on celebrate because why? God don't let you go through anything unless he's, he's willing to give you blessing out of, but you only get it if you give him glory for. Does that make sense? Did anybody get anything out of that today? I'm telling you, you're looking at a rich man. <laughs> you're looking at a rich man. Not because I'm that good at making stuff or doing stuff or doing business. It's because the devil tried to do something to me. But I'm a king's kid. And the king kid, don't he makes him repay. You know, kings just think different. They just think different. And the way he wants to bless you is way beyond what you can even imagine. I told the story about the kid, the, the, the Mid-Eastern king that came over to America. And he wanted to play golf. And so he came and played and he hired one of the most skilled professional golf players he could pay to play golf with him. Or teach him and show him to be his coach that day. And he did a great job and helped that king get a couple points up on his game. Or bring it down on his game or however golf works. And the king was so impressed, he turned to the professional golf player and says, Man, what can I do to you? I want to I thank you. I want to bless you for you making my game better. It meant that much to him. And the golf guy said, You've already paid me. He said, No, no, I want to bless you. What can I do for you? He said, just send me a nice golf club. That's fine. Just give me a nice golf club. So he went back to his country, and the professional golf player was just going on. And this is what took place. A few months later, he got a phone call from a real estate agent saying, we need you to come into the title company, and we need you to sign on the deed for this country club. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, the king from Arab 
purchased this and told us to give it to you because you asked for a new golf club when you helped him in his golf game. So he didn't get a new putter. He got an 18-hole country club because kings think differently than regular people do. And you need to know this, and I'm dismissing, I've got to tell you this. Somebody in here thinks that they're in too bad a shape. I feel it so bad right now that God can bless other people, but God can't bless you. It's not the shape you're in today. It truly is who you belong to. Popular Mechanics put out an article about 12 years ago. This guy went into a garage sale with his wife, and they were looking at all the stuff in the yard. You can Google it when you get home. And it says, while he was in the yard looking, just waiting on his wife, he saw inside the garage there was an old motorcycle in there. So he went in, and he looked at it, and it was dusty and ratty and beat up. And he asked, is it for sale? And the wife's been wanting her husband to get rid of it forever because he said he was going to fix it up, and he didn't. And she said, yeah, yeah, I'll give it, give it to you for 100 bucks." So he bought the motorcycle for 100 bucks. He took it home. It was an old Harley-Davidson. And he began to clean it and work on it. And think about it. If you know anything about Harley, if you're a bike guy, Harley-Davidson's have serial numbers on them, and they can be traced back to the very production line that they were produced on. So he called the local Harley-Davidson dealer and gave him the number. He said, man, I just purchased this old bike. I want to try to fix it up. Gave him the number. He says, I need to order the parts for it. And the Harley-Davidson dealer said, all right, I'll pull them up, and I'll give you a call back. About an hour later, he got a call from the Harley-Davidson owner, and this is what he told him. He said, man, I'll give you $10,000 for that bike right now. And the guy's like, what? And he said, I'll, I'll buy the bike, $10,000 right now. And the man was like, $10,000? I don't want that bike. I'm not selling you what, What's going on here? And so the Harley-Davidson owner said, all right, I'm going to have someone else call you. They hung up. And about an hour later, Jay Leno called and offered him $100,000 for that bicycle, that motorcycle in the shape that it was in. And he asked Jay, he said, what are you talking about? Man, why is this thing so valuable? Why are you offering me? And Jay Leno told him this. He said, go take the seat off and flip it over and look underneath the seat. And he did. And when he went and flipped it over, there was a plaque mounted underneath it. It says, for the king, love Priscilla. It was the lost Elvis Presley motorcycle. I want you to know, it's not the shape that you're in today. It's who you belong to. Because he's a restorer. He's a rebuilder. He will make what's broken. And he will put it back together. Because what you don't understand is, you've not, I, I tell you, I've been sitting, I lived in the back of this church for three months. Didn't even work here anymore. Resigned. My marriage was over. My kids had been taken. I look like a pedophile in the city. I look like everything. And I look like an old busted up, tore up motorcycle sitting in the back of a garage that it was over for. But what it came down to was who I belong to. It's not the shape that you're in. And once you realize that there's a plaque put on your life that says property of the king, it's just a matter of time before you're restored back to mint condition. Amen? And your value only goes up from here. I want to pray with you real quick. Guys, I know it's been a weird service. I miss our children's pastor greatly. I'm so glad they're coming back next week. But I want to pray with you. Boys and girls, look at me real quick. If you're here and you say, Cricket, I'm ready to be a light, but I don't have the power in me, I want to ask Jesus into my heart right now. Would you just simply bow your head, close your eyes, and raise your hand so I knew who I'm praying with? And I'll pray that with you. You ready? Boys and girls, say this to me. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life.
be Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I believe you died and rose again for me. And today, Lord, I ask you to make me the light that you've designed me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You're about to change your world. Moms, dads, I want to show you real quick how to start tomorrow off and make sure the devil don't have a foothold, the Bible says, into it. You just get up and you say, Father God, I thank you for this day. For it's the day that you've made. And I rejoice that I'm yours and I'm going to rejoice in this day. And I apply the blood of Jesus over my wife and my marriage. I apply the blood of Jesus over my kids, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my church members. Everyone, Father, that I love and care for. Everyone you've put into my life. I ask you right now to take the hyssop of my faith and cover them on every doorpost to where the enemy can't come in to hurt, bother, harm, or offend in any way. And I thank you today that in every trap, snare, attack, or battle the enemy tries to bring against those, that it is stopped right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that today is going to be a great day. And I rejoice in it now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will start your day off every day building a hedge, you don't got to walk around afraid of COVID. You don't got to walk around afraid of, of gunmen. You don't have to walk around afraid of car wreck. All you got to do is get up and know that you belong to the king. Amen?